Well, let me begin. Uh, today, because of the season that we're in, I just thought it would be fun to talk about this word. Oh, you have to change the background. Ingratitude. I'm grateful for you. All right. Now, very few things sting uh, like ingratitude, uh, feeling unappreciated. And the reason it stings is that it's because it's the opposite of what you expect or think you deserve. So you know how this goes. You put yourself out there for somebody, you sacrifice for somebody, you raise somebody, you hire them, and you maybe you marry this person and you tie your life to them for better or for worse, for richer or for poor. And understand, but understandably, you expect something to come back your way. And when it doesn't, it hurts. It stings. And I have found that ingratitude hurts because of the words that are said, but also ingratitude hurts for the words and things that are unsaid. It can be felt in the attitudes that a person exhibits. And either way, uh, either, uh, either way, all of us have been on the receiving end of ingratitude. I know I have. And here's the interesting thing about ingratitude. Ingratitude, the recipient is always aware but the initiator is rarely aware. And this is one of the mysteries of a relationship. So you're in a relationship of any kind. You have a roommate, you have a spouse, you have a friend, you have a relative, you have a marriage, you're dating someone, and everything seems to be going well and everything's great and good and fine and dandy. And then all of a sudden they come to you and say, I just feel like you don't appreciate me. Has anyone ever expressed that to you? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been accused of being ungrateful? No one's going to raise their hand for that. Let me ask you, okay, so one exception. Uh, you're so unique. Uh, no one's ever going to raise their hand for that. But let me ask you a different question. How many of you have ever been 13 years old? <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you've been 13, you've been accused of being ungrateful. And here's the thing. No one ever accuses you of being ungrateful. Uh, so if, any, if someone has ever accused you of being ungrateful, the response is what? You go, well, no, I, I'm grateful. I feel grateful. I have all these emotions of gratitude that are inside of me. And rem remember, I thanked you last year at Thanksgiving. Remember that? You know, don't you remember I was grateful to you last Thanksgiving? The problem is, is that we may feel grateful, but we have not expressed those feelings. And we may feel a certain way, but we haven't expressed it. And this is where it gets interesting, because this is where it becomes a relational disconnect. And this is why this is important. Gratitude and ingratitude are relationally determinative. Relationally determinative. <laughs> and so gratitude, ingratitude, the direction and the health of your relationships, it will guide it or it will hurt it. They determine how much of yourself you're willing, you're willing to entrust to somebody else and vice versa. And because there's such a disconnect and because we think things are good when they are not, this is a really big deal. And so I want to talk about this going into Thanksgiving. And we're going to look at this idea of gratitude. And we're going to be looking at a story in the life of Jesus that gets right to the heart of this issue. Now, Luke, uh, Luke, wrote the, uh, Luke wrote one of the books of the Bible, uh, one of the stories about Jesus, and he used different details and information that you can't find anywhere else in the Bible. He went and searched and talked 
and uh, found eyewitnesses and got these little details that you just can't find anywhere else. And so Luke sets out to tell this chronological story uh, of the life of Jesus. And in this story, it gets right to the heart of this idea of gratitude and ingratitude. So you ready? You're going to follow along? Here we go. In Luke 17, starting in verse 11, it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now here's what you need to know. Samaria is a region in Israel with people that were called Samaritans. And Samaritans kept to themselves because they had been rejected by the Jewish people. And Jews and Samaritans did not get along because the Jews believed that the Samaritans were not following the Jewish traditions and they believed different things about God. They were neighbors, but they were enemies. And so Jesus is on the border of Israel and Samaria. And he's headed towards Jerusalem, which is the capital of the city of Israel. And it says in verse 12, as he was going into the village, Ten men who had leprosy met him. Leprosy. I recently heard a statistic that in the last 20 years, 16 million people have been cured from leprosy, which is amazing. I love science. But in this day and age, people thought that there was no cure. They thought it was highly contagious. It damages, and it's such a terrible disease because it damages nerves and skin. You lose uh, feeling in your fingers and your toes. And generally, in society, people were so afraid of leprosy, uh, and they were so afraid of it that they said, if you have leprosy, you need to go live by yourself. It was like being in a prison without any walls, okay? You weren't allowed to worship. You weren't allowed to hang out with your family. You weren't allowed to go to the local uh, pub. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't go to the market. You couldn't be associated with your friends. You were a religious outcast because also people were superstitious and they believed that God gave you this disease. And so you didn't want this uh, to spread. It's something ridiculous like that. And so here's the deal. If you had leprosy, you could live a really long time and still be very alone. It could be very lonely existence. So as a result, lepers created their own little societies, their own little villages, their own uh, little colonies where they just hung out with each other and they tried to survive. Okay, that's leprosy. So here's what happens. In verse 12, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, Generally, in a situation like this, Jesus would respond to these requests. He would go over to the people, he'd lay hands on them, and they would be healed, okay? But instead, he did something different. I mean, he did, he's done this dozens and dozens of times. This is not his first rodeo. This is, but he, he does something different this time. Look at what he does. When he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests, the lepers were far away, probably far away. There's a little bit of distance between them, obviously, because they don't want to get in trouble. They're like, he said, go show yourself to the priest. What did he say? What am I supposed to do? I'm going to go show yourself to the priest. Now, Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Now, this may not mean much to you, but there's three really important things happening here. First, in the Old Testament, it's said that if you had a disease and you were cured, 
What you needed to do, the first thing you needed to do, you couldn't go anywhere else. You had to go show yourself to the priest when you were healed because the priest would say, okay, you now have a clean bill of health. You can now go back into society. You can go back and see your family and your friends and you can do all the things that you normally love to do. But in order to do that, you had to get checked out and approved by a local priest. Number two, we don't know where the closest priest was. When Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, we don't know where the closest priest was. We don't know how long that journey was. It was like he was saying, guys, start walking. Start heading to the nearest priest. And imagine you're the priest and, this, and ten guys show up. You're like, hey, what happened here? Well, uh, a guy told us to start walking towards you, and now here we are. Number three, for you to start walking, if you commit to that journey, you're believing that something is going to happen on the way to see that priest. And this is a big expression of your confidence, or what we call faith. They're thinking, so for me to put myself out there, for me to go on this journey, for me to go find the nearest priest, put myself out there with a religious leader, something had better happen. And so what Jesus is asking them to do on a societal level, on a pressure level, is pretty extraordinary. It's a pretty extraordinary expression of faith. And we don't know how long it was for them to go see the priest. We don't know if it was hours. We don't know if it was days. But here's what we read. As they went, they were healed. They were cleansed. And as they went, they were cleansed. We don't know if this took an hour. We don't know if this took six hours. We don't know if this took a couple of days. We don't know if it was an overnight trip to see the priest. But at some point along the way, these ten men realized that they had been healed. They were healed. And this is where the story intersects with our topic today. In verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. So here's a picture. So everybody gets healed. And they start running in all directions. They go show the priest. They're going to get their clean bill of health. They're getting their lives back. They get to see their family and their friends. They get to be a part of society. They get to contribute. They're all better now. Finally, everything is good. So everyone probably starts taking off running. But one of them, realizing that he had been healed, turns around and goes back to thank Jesus. We don't know how long that walk took. We don't know if it was an hour Six hours, a few days. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And essentially, what this man did brings us to the application of today. This man, he went back to thank the one who had enabled him to move forward with his life. Every single one of us, no matter how talented, no matter how amazing and unique, no matter how accomplished or ambitious or successful we are, how disciplined you are, all of us can look in the rearview mirror and see people who have helped us to get to where we are today. All of us have people behind us that have helped us to do what we do, 
and become what we have become. And this guy understood that Jesus made it possible and enabled him to move forward with his life. This is what the Samaritan did. And this is where we get to the tension between gratitude and ingratitude. As we keep reading, we see that Jesus asks a question. And I, I think that Jesus was a pretty relaxed, fun guy. And I, and I think he probably had a grin. He was probably like, huh, this is interesting. And it gets right to the heart of what we're talking about here. In verse 17, Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? I think he asked it facetiously. I sent ten of them. Did the miracle not work? Where are the other nine? Did I finally run out of power? I was like, I ran out of power. I couldn't heal him anymore. I only got one. Then he asked another question. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Jesus is a bit of a genius here because he's showing his audience that something is missing. There's something wrong with this picture. There's something that's incomplete. There's something, uh, something open-ended. There's something unfinished. Do you know this experience? Do you know this experience when something has been done for you? I mean, there's still something unfinished. There's something incomplete. Uh, when we begin to think about all the people in the, our life who have helped us to move forward, when it comes to us, uh, it's easy to keep moving forward sometimes. But that still leaves something incomplete. We think about the people in our lives that have helped us to go further and faster. We realize what's been done for us, but we also realize that possibly there's something missing, something unfinished. And like, have you ever been around a child? I know, right? Have you ever been around a child <laughs> and they don't say thank you? You're like, make sure you say thank you. Like, we're, we're big on it. We harp on it with children, but as adults, we can just kind of Move past it. It's just easy to keep moving forward. So Jesus finishes the question here. He said, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, if you were to read this story in isolation, and you were to comment it and turn to your neighbor, and you would say, how ungrateful are these other nine? I mean, they just got their life handed back to them. And they didn't, and they went on their merry little way without so much as a thank you. And if, here's the deal. I bet, I bet that if you were to track down the other nine and you were to ask them, hey, you just got healed. Are you grateful? And you put a microphone in their face. They would go, they would, all of them, 100% of them would be like, yes, we have the maximum amount of feelings of gratitude. We feel so grateful about what has been done. We are so thankful. This is so wonderful. There's no way we could possibly express it. So here's what we can conclude. The other nine felt it, but they didn't express it. Is that a big deal? Well, Jesus thought so. Where are the other nine? We're not all 10 healed? And as we head into this Thanksgiving, this is a big deal. This is something that affects every single one of your relationships and my relationships to the positive or the negative. Right now, every single one of our relationships, this is playing out. Right now, there's a principle that's playing out to the positive or the negative in every single way. And it's this. 
unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. The gratitude that you feel in your heart is also felt by other people. But if it is unexpressed, the other person feels and experiences it as ingratitude. It's very likely that the gratitude you feel to the other person, if it is unexpressed, communicates ingratitude. It, it communicates exactly the opposite of what you want it to feel. But it goes even deeper than that. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced as rejection. Here's how it works. Whether you mean to communicate it or not, it communicates, I deserve that. I earned that. It's just my mom. She's supposed to do that for me. I pay him to do that. That's his job. It's his job. It's her job to support the family. Over time, unexpressed gratitude has the same effect as rejection. Here's what I know about you. Here's what I know about you. All of our hearts gravitate towards acceptance and our hearts are repelled by rejection. We, are, we move towards people who accept us and we push ourselves away from people that reject us. And this is why your parents, when they would come to you, say you're in middle school or high school, and they say, I don't like your friends. And they would say, you need to find new friends. And you would look at them and go, yeah, but they're my friends. Why? Because of acceptance. Acceptance is a powerful thing. Our hearts gravitate towards acceptance. They are repelled by rejection. Ingratitude is a subtle, subtle, subtle form of rejection, which means you can ingratitude someone right out of your life. You can ingratitude someone right out of your home. You can ingratitude someone right out of your marriage. Ingratitude, it's a subtle form of rejection, and it's determinative. And over time, it has the full range of rejection. And this is why we have to do something about it. It's not enough just to feel it. We have to learn how to express it. Regardless of our personality, whether we're expressive people or we don't express anything at all, we're quiet and we just keep us so we have to find a way to be able to express how we feel. We've got to figure out how to get what's in our heart and in our head into the minds and the ears of the people who need to hear it. But it's even more than that. You can actually go one step deeper. Oh, Chris, please don't. I will. You can go one step deeper, okay? And this may bother you. And if what I'm saying it does bother you, I think it's important to pay attention to why it bothers you, okay? Unexpressed gratitude may indicate an inflated view of self. It's in your heart. But you say, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say I'm grateful. I don't need to say anything. They work for me. That's what they're supposed to do. She knows how I feel. I told her I was grateful for her like last Thanksgiving. She knows. He knows. If I say something now, it's going to be awkward. Three years ago, I made a big to-do. I wrote a card. I don't need to do it. In other words, if it is hard for you to say thank you, if it is hard for you to sit down with somebody and say, listen, I really, really, really appreciate what you do, you got to ask yourself why. Why is that hard? Because you are smart enough, nearly all of you are smart enough 
to know that you didn't get to where you are all by yourself. You didn't get to where you are on your own. And you're smart enough to know that the people in your life, the people who've helped your story to move forward, if it's difficult for you and I to express gratitude, that is something to pay attention to. In the wake of your progress, there are dozens and dozens of people who have made it possible. And there is a sense of gratitude. There's an owed debt of gratitude to them. And that unexpressed gratitude is a debt that needs to be paid. And so logically, we know that, based on what I've said so far, expressed gratitude closes that loop. It closes that loop. It closes the loop. It finishes the circle. Anytime something is done for you, there's something incomplete until they receive something from you. It's an incomplete relationship until you close that loop. So think about it this way. Gratitude. It's not enough to feel it. You have to express it. And again, we aren't always going to express it the same ways. We have different ways of communicating, different love languages and all that and jazz and all. But this is really important for those of you who have any type of relationship whatsoever. Gratitude is determinative. And it is either moving uh, and it's either received as acceptance or rejection. So let me ask you a personal question. Have you developed the habit of expressing gratitude? Have you? Have you found a way to actually do it? Have you felt a way to deal with the pride that might keep you from saying thank you? And you've got all these feelings inside, but you just haven't communicated it. Are you in the habit of expressing gratitude? Because unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Or to ask the question that Jesus asked, are you going to be the one or are you going to be the nine? Are you going to be the one who went back and said thank you, or are you going to be one of the nine that just kept it inside? Are you going to be the one who returns? Are you going to be willing to temporarily stop what you're doing and the progress that you're making to be able to go back and express what has been done for you? Remember, it's not enough to feel it. You have to express it. Now, I'm going to close our time. And as I do, uh, I just want to say this. The problem is, is that some of you are sitting next to someone and you're going to say, you could say, man, I'm so glad Chris talked about this today. <laughs> and here's what you're thinking. If I, was in your, if I was in your shoes, I would say, you know, he's so right. I probably do need to say thank you to the person who's sitting right next to me. But if I do it like right now, they're totally going to know that the only reason I'm doing it is because I listened to this sermon. So I'm going to wait a couple of weeks. <laughs> Let me just say, that is pride. <laughs> and I, that's pride. And I get it. None of us wants some guy to tell you uh, what to do with your life. I'm just a guy in this nice outfit that my wife picked out for me this morning. No, but let me tell you something. Here's the flip side of how this works, Okay. The person you need to express gratitude to, especially, if they are here right now, if you don't, if you don't do it in a couple weeks, it's going to sting even more. 
right? Because they know you heard it, and they're going to feel even more unappreciated. So here's what I'm recommending. I recommend that you do it. And I recommend that you do it now. Like, not like right this second, because I'm still talking. But I recommend that you do it now. And you, and you can even reference me when you go to do it, right? And you can even say, you know, Chris was talking about being grateful, and I just want to, just do it. Just do it. Just express it. They will appreciate it because it's how you feel, okay? They know you. They know the last time you expressed gratitude. <laughs> and then no one's going to think that all of a sudden you came up with this brilliant idea seven days from now. <laughs> so I have a few questions that you can use. Um, if you're taking notes, or just um, by the looks of it, most of you are taking mental notes. So just take a mental note here. here. Uh, like beyond the people in this room, there is a list of people who have helped you to get to where you are today. And first and foremost, uh, we thank Jesus for what he's done. Um, but here's some questions to think about. Who in your life do you take for granted? Who has facilitated the forward motion of your life? Who do you owe a debt of gratitude to? Who are, great, who are you grateful for in your heart but haven't been able to express it with your words? Who needs to see it in your behavior? Who has facilitated your progress? Like when you tell the story of your success or your progress, who gets mentioned in that? And as those people are popping to your mind, like here's what I want you to do. Here's, here's, I'm going to assign homework. And you don't have to do it because I'm not really like your boss. But if, here's some good homework for you. What I would do, that mental list you just made, I would find a way to express your gratitude to them this week. Either maybe commit. I'm going to write three notes. Not three emails, not three texts, three notes. Or you could send a text. But what you want to do is whatever's in here, you want to get that out. And the more detail that you put in these letters, these notes, the more detail you put into expressing how you feel, the more specific you are, the specific instances that that person will remember, the better. Because it reveals what you know to be true. And it gets to them what they need to hear. And it's not just, it's not just for you. It is actually for them. And when we do this, when we all do this, we are determining in that moment to have healthier relationships. Relationships that move towards the positive instead of the neg negative. And it leads to healthier marriages, healthier relationships, healthier work, work time people, you know? Let me rephrase that. Healthier work life? Oh my God, I don't know. You'll do better at your job? You have to close the loop. Do you want to be the one or do you want to be one of the nine? Unexpressed gratitude needs to get out of your heart into the hearts and minds of everyone around you. Uh, why don't we all stand?